Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Universal Furniture. They've teamed up with Coastal Living Magazine for a whole new furniture collection that feels pretty much like the cover of Coastal Living Magazine. It's called Escape, and it captures that relaxed, informal feel of life near the water. See what we mean and browse the whole collection now at universalfurniture.com YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing how a little disagreement over a little appliance spiraled into a whole new plan for the duplex kitchens, plus why this part of the renovation has been especially complicated and what we've done to make it easier. That's my best turkey. It's an early Thanksgiving greeting from my mouth to your ear. I never thought I'd wish for more like singing impersonations. <laughs> like, like more jewel, less turkey. Right. If that's the alternative, let's go back to the female singers, please. <laughs> uh, well, happy almost Thanksgiving, everyone. That's what Sherry meant by that, I think. That's right. Well, I feel like we have neglected to talk about the duplex in the last couple of weeks because there's been lots going on there. So much going on there. We're at the point that I like to call like the mind bending, like brain melting part of any renovation. When we do these big renovations, we hit this wall and literally I feel my brain turning into more of like a vapor than a solid and we're there. And it's a point when there are just so many things to schedule, you feel like it is impossible to be efficient with your scheduling and you're juggling all of it. So my example would be I need the plumber to come out and add some fixtures and hook up some faucets but he can't do that until we're done grouting so that makes sense I'll finish grouting and I'll have the plumber come out but wait he can't install the downstairs toilet until the floor is refinished but I'm not going to make him wait until the floors are refinished to do all the plumbing work because that's a lot of walking around on the new floors and they could get scratched. Well, and also, I don't think the floor guy can even do his refinishing until the plumber has installed some of the vanities because right now the vanities are sitting in big boxes on the floors that need to be refinished and there's not enough room to move them out of the way. So they have to get installed. It's like there are so many different cooks that need to be in this kitchen at once. And to schedule and organize them in a sequence that makes the most sense and is most efficient is challenging. And even once you've got the sequence down, just actually getting people in there and scheduling them. And then, you know, if one person moves their schedule or gets delayed, it bumps everyone back. So it's like this kind of like Sherry was saying, mind bending moment where it's good because there's lots happening, but it's challenging. And the way I've come to think of it is I am an efficiency person. Like I want to be the most efficient with everyone's time. I don't want to schedule the plumber to come three times to the house if he can do it all at once. But what I've learned from doing this at least twice now, you know, with the pink house and the duplex, is that there is no possibility that anyone can just come once for the most part. For example, where we've landed is that the plumber is going to come and hook up all the vanities upstairs and do all the showers because we have grouted them. They're ready. But... And the toilets. Don't forget the toilets, Oh, yes. And the toilets. So the upstairs stuff, so four bathrooms, two on each side will be done when he visits. He's not going to touch kitchen or bathroom downstairs because we need to get the floors refinished for that first. Then we will build the Ikea cabinetry in the kitchen and he will come back and help us hook up the dishwasher and all the plumbing that goes in the kitchen. And he will install that last toilet on the floor that is getting refinished. Because essentially, you guys, in the order of things, the very last thing you want to do is refinish the floors. Obviously,
obviously there are things you have to do on top of refinished floors. So those are actually the last thing, like installing a toilet on top of them or installing a kitchen on top of them. But you certainly don't want to refinish your floors and then get the walls painted, for example. Right, 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 right. That's why that's already done. And I think we should note, some people might be thinking, and I've had this thought also, is like, well, why don't you guys just install the stuff downstairs? Like, I am no stranger to putting a toilet in. I am no stranger to putting a dishwasher in. But because of the way the permits are done, like our plumber is the one who pulled those permits for those tasks. He technically is the one who should finish them. And he wants to finish them because he wants to know that all the work was done by himself and his guys and he can warranty it and stand by it instead of saying like, "Uh oh, the toilet John installed is flooding. Blame John. No, no, no. (laughs) I I would blame him. It was probably his issue. The professional probably messed it up, not me, the DIYer. (laughs) We're just, we're trying to play by the rules. That's why we want him to do the finish out work. And then like Sherry said, if there's an issue, we can know clearly who is responsible for fixing it. Right. I don't say that to discourage you guys and say like, oh my gosh, it's so hard because it's not even really that hard. It's just frustrating to feel inefficient. Like it feels like if I stare at all the things that need to be done, I should be able to come up with the perfect order in which nobody is doubling back and nobody is coming twice and everybody is only in there for one hour and everything's perfect. (laughs) But the reality is that it just hardly ever works out that way. Sean's guys are mostly out of the house and done with their stuff, but even they are coming back in and traipsing up the newly refinished floors to install the rail. But it's one of those things where the upstairs and downstairs railings have to be put in after the floors are done. So once again, we're just going to be really careful and try to minimize how many crews are in there after the floors are redone by doing as much beforehand as we can. But obviously, we can't do everything. Well, and I think the thing to point out in all this is that it's stressful for you, especially because you're doing most of this is just the scheduling and coordinating of it all. Like, I feel like you've been on the phone texting and calling people back and forth like, the last two weeks straight trying to figure this out and make sure people stay on schedule. And then like, you know, the one person shifts, you have to call everyone else back and like rearrange. And we've got the holiday Thanksgiving coming up, which is just complicating things. So yeah, I'm like the conductor. Yeah, I'm like over here, string quartet. And by string quartet, I mean plumber. How's it going? (laughs) We've got the floor refinisher. He's obviously the... Wait, what's the metaphor? This is a wedding? No, I'm a conductor. Oh, conductor. I'm a conductor. He's obviously the percussion section, the floor refinisher. Doesn't that feel like that would be I don't know if you have a conductor for a string quartet. I mean... That's why I got confused. I thought this was a wedding ceremony. Do you just say the strings? Or like, yeah, the violins. Anyway, it's a bad analogy, but that's kind of where we are. And I wanted to tell you guys it's totally normal. I'm fine with it. My brain is melting. But I think this time I'm more able to say, like, this happens all the time. I hit this wall every time. Yeah. And I probably could do this 100 times and still hit this wall. Because what it seems like when I really stare at all the things to do is that there is not one perfect way. Well, and I wanted to share one thing we did do to make it a little bit more efficient. And that has to do with the tiling. Let me back up and first say that tiling the duplex was one of the tasks that I was most nervous about. Not that it was going to be hard to do, but just that it was going to take a long time and be very tiring. Because when I look back at the process of the pink house, that was probably like the most exhausting portion of that renovation. Because I think it was like maybe 10 to 14 days of tiling those three bathrooms and the mudroom, like the floors and the showers. Right. Not in a row, just work days. Like it took 14 days, not consecutive, but 14 different days to get out there, do things, turn around and come back, sweat our faces off because there's no AC in the house. Yeah, we did that back in August of last year. And so there were some long stretches. Like I think we did four or five days of tiling straight at one point and we got through it, but I was not looking forward to the duplex because it effectively has twice as much to do. There were six floors to do, two mudrooms and then four bathrooms. And on top of that, each bathroom had a shower surround to do. So it was a lot of tile. 
And the other complication of coming into the duplex versus the beach house is that just because of how long the duplex has taken and some of the delays we had at the start getting like the plan approved by the historical review board, we got to tiling by October, not August. And the key difference there is in August when we were tiling the pink house, that was summertime. We could be out there for a week or two and get the tiling done. But now that it is in school session in the fall, we basically only have weekends. And so we were nervous going into this that like chipping away at all of that tiling in just like two day stretches or maybe three on a long weekend or something like that was gonna really take a long time. And I went into it with John saying like, listen, this might be one of those times where we think about the effort and the time we spend versus the money we could use to outsource it. Like at some point, it's not worth it for us if it's gonna be 30 work days that we could be making money and doing real jobs if we're out there tiling for 30 days. And so I went into it with John and I was like, listen, if we do the six floors, I think we're golden. And then we hire out the shower surrounds. There's only four, it's only subway tile. Like we're really really picky about how a pattern might go down on the floor. We're using all these like amazing colorful tiles and these intricate patterns. Like we literally laid a herringbone pattern ourselves by alternating different tones of tile. And that was not something I think we'd want to hire out. But like a subway tile surround, that's something we could hire out. And we know Sean's guys do great tiles. So let's like consider hiring out those four simple projects and we'll do the six hard projects. Yeah, I knew that option was always out there, but... I don't know. I guess I take a certain amount of pride in like accomplishing that big task. Like I like being able to say that we did all of those bathrooms in the beach house. And after two weekends of straight tiling and only getting the six floors done, so the two mudrooms and the four bathroom floors, I realized that hiring out the showers was a good option. Yeah. And a way that we, two control freaks about tile, felt better about it is we showed pictures of exactly what we did in the beach house to the guy that was tiling for Sean. Sean has like a tiling guy who's amazing. He's been doing work for like 10 years. But we basically showed him how we treat the borders and how we treat the curbs. And he could just basically look at those pictures that we emailed him so he could stare at them as long as he needed to during the project. It just helped set expectations beforehand. Like we weren't saying, now rip out this border and fix it. He went into it knowing kind of what we liked and what we thought looked good. Even the grout we purchased for him the spacing we talked about with him so that it all was much more likely to turn out the way we wanted it to. And it looks really great. Yes, and I'm very grateful I gave up that task to someone else because I think even with the couple long weekends we've had and the Thanksgiving weekend coming up, like I think our tiling could have lasted very easily into December. Right. And ideally, we would use Christmas break to do something like install the kitchen cabinets. But I can't imagine how demoralizing it would be if like, cut to two months from when we started tiling and we're still tiling. Right, and holding everyone up because I wouldn't want the plumber to come in and put in toilets and vanities if it's still like an active work zone tiling a shower. So it would have pushed him back, which would have pushed the floor refinisher back. Like it would have held everyone up. And since we are still trying to get this thing up and running for next summer, it just felt dumb to just be so selfish and stubborn to hold on to the tiling for myself when I could help this project move along. So, I know you wanted the kudos of doing every single tile in the house. Well, I, I still think kudos for six floors. Yeah, I'm proud we got the floors done. There were some complicated patterns, so I am glad we did those ourselves. And now we can just say that the project is done. Actually, when we go this weekend, we should be able to take pictures of everything finished because 
um, Sean's tile guy is finishing his grouting this week. And that way everyone can start moving ahead with the next stuff next week. Right. And assuming we can get some of those photos this weekend of it all grouted, we'll put those in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And we will promise to do a post too, because people have been asking, like, I need to know about all the tiles you chose, all the links. We'll do that too. And even break down the exact grout and grout color we used, because I know sometimes it's easier to just pick the grout based on what you saw, looked good with the tile, and then it's all kind of vetted and you just can go on your way tiling happily how long is the sentence it's very long just find your period (laughs) that sound means we have a couple updates the first one comes from two episodes ago episode 118 where we poured our hearts out about our instagram account sort of kind of not really getting hacked but us having an issue where our password disappeared and we almost got locked out We did get locked out on every device except for my phone. And the funny thing that happened is after that aired, people were like, why are you not putting your phone in like a vault? Like it needs to be safe. What if you drop it in the tub? I'm like, this is a good point. But thankfully, as soon as that episode aired, a bunch of people reached out and said like, hey, I know someone who knows someone. Like there were a few people who were like, we can make some connections. And eventually we were connected with this awesome person named Suzanne who works at Facebook and she hooked us up. She got on a Google Hangout with us and talked us through a few things. That was actually not a fruitful meeting because it didn't work. We were still locked out. But she was like, I'm not going to give up. I'll get back to you. And about a day later, we had another phone call. And over the phone, we were able to get in on all of our devices. We officially have an actual password. And And that password is. No. (laughs) It just was wonderful to get back in and to learn kind of what was going on behind the scenes and have someone help us was so awesome. So if you do get locked out, I do recommend contacting like the help person through the Instagram interface because that is who she was actually chatting with. Like she was not a help desk person. She just was reaching out to a help desk person. So I don't want you to feel like, oh, no one's going to help me over there. There's like a whole department dedicated to this. Yeah, and I wanted to clarify that she works at Facebook and Facebook owns Instagram. That's how she was able to help us with Instagram. Right. I did wonder at one point in all this, how do we know that Suzanne is not some like elaborate hacker who was just trying to get into our account by posing as a Facebook rep? (laughs) But I emailed her at Facebook. So we knew it was Facebook. Okay. Well, she did help us out a lot. So thank you, Suzanne. Hootie hoo. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you were going to gobble again. It was a shout out. (laughs) That's my happy gobble. The turkey thanks you too. (laughs) We're so thankful in this Thanksgiving week for you, Suzanne. (laughs) We really are. Um, And I also wanted to add that someone pointed out they recently got an email from Instagram and it no longer says hacker way in the footer. Right. Remember our rant about how like, how can your email have hacker way, one hacker way, the most fake sounding awful address that we've ever heard. And rumor is they no longer use that. So I can't take the credit for that. Maybe they changed it on the same day for some other reason. But it did get changed the day our podcast came out. Just saying. (laughs) And the other update we have is actually from a long time ago. And I think it's because it's getting a little bit colder and gifting season is coming up. But a lot of people have been asking about the weighted blanket that I got Sherry for Christmas last year. And I'm still loving it, guys. The update is it's great. I don't typically sleep with it overnight. If I'm having trouble sleeping, I might pad all the way downstairs and like muscle that heavy blanket up the stairs to sleep with it. But it is like 12 pounds. So it's like carrying a bunch of milk gallons up the stairs. What I really like to do is leave it downstairs on the couch. And it's like my unwinding before bed blanket. Does that make sense? And like we hang out under it with the kids too. So often the three of us, me and the two kids, will be snuggled under the blanket. It's weighty. It's cozy for all of us. I think it just helps us all unwind. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't heard of weighted blankets before they are literally blankets that have weight to them ours is 12 pounds 
And the thought behind them is that having a blanket that actually like kind of holds you down a little bit and puts some pressure on your body will help calm you and help you sleep better. But like Sherry said, we don't actually use it for sleep, but it is a nice blanket to relax under. I think the fact that like it keeps you in place a bit better when the kids are under it, like they don't fidget as much on the couch, like everyone can kind of relax. So I think it does serve its purpose in that sense. Right. Well, we did learn recently that Target has started selling a weighted blanket that is a little bit cheaper than the one that I bought for Sherry from Amazon. That one was about $110, or at least that's the listing for it now. And the one at Target is only $70. The difference seems to be they're the same like weight and they're the same size pretty much. I think the one at Target is like six inches shorter on one side, but it does not have a washable removable cover on the Target one. So if that is very important to you, you may not want to get that one. You may want to splurge for the one that has the removable cover like ours. I love ours because it has a minky cover. You guys know that fabric? It's like very, very soft. It's it's also got a diamond embroidery. You know how I feel about a shape of a diamond. But I love ours because I do throw the shell into the wash. The weighted part stays out. But yeah. the exterior, it's like kind of like a duvet in a duvet insert. Yeah. Same concept. The one from Target, I don't know how you'd wash it. It has to be just washable, like, right? No, it just says like spot clean. Oh, oh, ooh, guys, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the care for the insert on ours, but ours stays protected. Right. E- either way, I will put links to both of them in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. So if you're interested in a weighted blanket, you can check out either. You can make the call yourself. Right. Maybe just get like three of the cheaper ones so that when it gets dirty, you can rotate it and throw it away. That no. is not, that is not cheaper. That's a bad idea. <laughs> don't not do cheaper. that. And next up, we were going to take you into a little debate that we were having about the duplex kitchen, specifically about where the microwave went. Right. This was a little debate. Yes, but it spiraled into a large debate. It escalated quickly. (laughs) Yeah, we basically rethought the entire design of the duplex kitchen. Well, not the entire design, but a big chunk of it. So let me first establish what the original debate was. Sure. It was about where the microwave went in the duplex because I was arguing that we should just do the sort of straightforward, practical thing of doing a over-the-range microwave. You know, one that sits above the stove and also acts as the hood vent because it was like, hey, kill two birds with one stone. We got a microwave. We got a hood vent. It's right where renters expect it to be. Is it the prettiest thing? No, but we were going to have a wall of cabinets there anyways, and it would just fit nicely in there. And it's not like the main wall that you look at in the kitchen when you walk into the duplex. You don't really see it. So I thought it's fine for it to be like a little bit uglier than we might typically choose. And you guys know where I fell on this debate. I, the obsessor of beauty, who recognizes that people are going to rent this place because it looks good, might be a little bit disappointed with an over-the-range microwave. But I also understand practicality, and I like to see where John's coming from and really think things through. And I was like, you know what? It's a vacation rental. Will people really revolt and take to the streets with pitchforks? Probably not. We're going to make this kitchen beautiful. So I was very much like, I'll wave the white flag. I don't love it, but I'll do it, and I'll make the rest of the kitchen so bomb, people will not even care about this microwave thing going on. Well, we had debated other locations that we have used in the past, like our own kitchen has an under counter microwave, but we're already short on lower cabinets in this kitchen. So I didn't want to eat up space with a microwave. And so the alternative was kind of just an on the counter microwave, which is not the worst thing in the world. But if you're limited on counter space, 
you don't necessarily want to do that either. So that's why we had agreed on this over the range microwave. So we're doing an Ikea kitchen again. And so I've been building out the plan in Ikea and we've had it mostly finalized for months. Like when we put all the outlets and everything in, we had already pretty much done the plan. We just hadn't pulled the trigger on it yet. And so I had gone back in one last time before we ordered to make sure that I had like all the interior cabinet fittings correct. Like we had drawers where we wanted them and doors swinging the right way. All that stuff you need to double check before you order a kitchen. It was like the very final before clicking checkout. Like a very cursory glance. One more last check to make sure we had everything right. Yes, and so I'm showing this to Sherry to make sure that we're on the same page. And Sherry realizes something about the kitchen that she hates and could not live with, that she had not noticed before. I had not noticed it before, guys. Let me describe the kitchen before you explain your issue, okay? Because people need to understand the layout. I know a podcast is not the perfect way to understand this, but we will put pictures in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast if you need to reference them. Right. But basically, picture a square room. Okay. And we have two large doorways on two of the walls. So it only leaves two other walls usable for cabinet space. And they're an L. An L-shaped kitchen of cabinetry is what we're doing, guys. Can you picture that? And the other two walls are big, wide doorways, one that leads to the dining area and one that leads to the mudroom laundry room. Yes, so we had built this L-shaped kitchen and at the corner of the L, like the right angle of the L, is where we have the exposed brick chimney, you know, that had been covered up before, but we actually took it out. So you'd have this nice, like, touch of brick in the room. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a super cool, old, gorgeous brick, not an 80s brick that we'd paint. No. (laughs) And in looking at the 3D rendering on the IKEA website, Sherry realized that all of these upper cabinets in which the -the over-the-range microwave would sit beautifully, those cabinets would block the view of the brick chimney. They would like smash into it and fully hide it. So it would look like when you enter the room, you would just see a little bit of brick sitting on the corner of the counter. Yeah, like the chimney is only about six inches deep on that side and upper cabinets are about 15 inches deep. So they would protrude past the chimney. And so what Sherry's saying is all you would see of the brick for the most part is the little sliver between the counters and the bottom of the upper cabinets. Yes. And I was like, John, this is awful. If we purchased a house like this, we would declutter the cabinets to bring out the glory of the chimney. And I'm here saying, where were you four months ago? (laughs) Or whenever it was that we did this originally, because I have known this the whole time. I thought it was just sort of the decision we had made, but I guess we hadn't. We hadn't really rotated the 3D rendering to see it from certain angles. Well, maybe, maybe I had. I had not seen it from all the angles. And when I did, I just was like... Walk with me down this road of getting all those upper cabinets, hanging them all, hating it, taking them all down. But I totally understand Practical John, who comes from a point of view where, like, it's all about storage. Well, it's not a huge kitchen. I mean, it's decent size. I don't want to say it's small, but it does have a shortage of lower cabinets because of the stove and the fridge and the dishwasher. And we are doing a pull-out trash can because we don't have a good spot in the floor plan for a freestanding trash can. So I just didn't want to give up all this extra storage on the top. And I was like, I totally hear you. I don't want the reaction to people staying at the duplex to be, I hate how few cabinets I have. It was all jammed in there because there wasn't enough space. What a dumb layout. Like, that is my nightmare. But I also don't want it to look ugly. (laughs) Right. Well, and we also agreed that obviously a solution here is lots of like open shelves because those wouldn't have to be as deep or wouldn't block the brick as much. But we're trying not to rely on open shelving as much, at least for functional storage, because in a rental, you just can't expect it to stay looking clean and pretty all the time. So we might do some open shelving, but it might be a little bit more decorative storage, not functional storage. Right. John's whole argument was like, yes, we'll have a person cleaning it every week when it turns over, but like throughout 
throughout the week, it will get all junked up with stuff. And when they leave, we don't want every single time for someone to have to like art direct the shelves over yeah. and over again between guests. Like how functional is it to have all of your stuff up on shelves? Right, exactly. And so remember how I'd won the argument about the microwave, <laughs> the over the range microwave? Remember how giving I was when I just was like, fine, I'll wave the white flag. Well, then... I eventually, after some time... John was mad, guys. Let me paint you a picture. When I said this to John, John stewed quietly, and then John retreated to our bedroom where he laid in the bed, <laughs> just processing what I said. And I know he was upset because why did we go down this road so far to get to the point where we were about to order it when I was like, wait a minute, this is going to look bad. Let I me, get that. Let me defend myself. I was stressed out because we need to order this kitchen. Like, we still haven't ordered it, and I am stressed out because we might get delayed in getting it there. We might hold up this process. So I was so excited to finally check this off our list and then I felt like I was being sent back to square one. So. And I was like, no, we can figure this out. We can work through this. But John was like, my brain is over. Yep. It's shut off. I'm going upstairs. We'll talk about it another time. And I was like, but we can do this. We can do that. Yes. We can do this. And he did not want to hear that, guys. Our another time is now on the podcast. <laughs> so then we finally realized that we were losing how many uppers? How many uppers were we taking down? Three uppers. And I said, John Petersick, if I can find the equivalent of the space that those three uppers would store somewhere to add that cabinetry back, would you be happy? And he said, I'm not ready to talk about this. <laughs> and then later he said, I said, okay. <laughs> this is the real story, guys. Right. And so I said, John, our plan this entire time has been to have a bunch of cabinetry in the mudroom laundry room. Why don't we just calculate how much can go in there? There's a big bay of windows. We've moved the washer and dryer into this corner to free up more space. We had done that before this kitchen layout. Yeah. And so I was like, I think we could easily have seven cabinets in there. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Not seven, but Sherry was right. We had not taken the time in planning all the kitchen to also plan the cabinetry in the mudroom. And like she said, we did move the washer and dryer. Originally, they were going to be under the windows that were right through that doorway between the kitchen and the mudroom. But we realized for just space flow that it was going to be a little tight and we should put them back in the corner. We're going to do stacked units instead of side-by-sides. And so that frees up this whole long wall where we can put more cabinetry. It can only be 15-inch deep cabinetry, not to create the same space flow issues that the washer and dryer were creating. But, but that, how deep are uppers? 15 inches. Exactly. Yeah. And what did we end up with? Two huge bays of drawers, which will be awesome for pantry storage, extra gadgets, the toaster, the blender, whatever. And then a giant floor-to-ceiling cabinet, much yeah. like a huge pantry where we can store our microwave and tuck it out of the way. That's what we're thinking. And it will store a bunch of other stuff too. So like extra pantry stuff. If people bring big bags of chips and Tostitos and all that yeah. stuff, they can put them in there. Yeah, I think that was a big part of me getting over my hump of accepting this plan of not doing the uppers as I realized we actually can get more storage. And I'll say the other thing that made me feel good about the plan is I looked up a couple links for what you should put in a rental kitchen. And you also talked to one of our friends that has a rental property up in the mountains. Yes. About like, what do you actually have to have there? Like, what do people expect? Because I know what I use in a kitchen which is not a whole lot. <laughs> That's why in my head, a renter needs like everything, like a fondue pot and like right. a bunch of baking sheets. But I'm like, no, people are not like making cupcakes when they come to a beach rental. You right. Know? They might want one baking sheet, but not a cupcake sheet is what right. you're saying. You don't need like 10 cake pans. Right, 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 you right. Know, that's not the expectation. So I heard from our friend and I saw a couple of websites that made recommendations. And I realized that the storage we will have in the lower cabinets 
it's probably going to be sufficient. So Just fine. It made me less panicked about it all. I mean, I am still a little bit panicked because we have not actually pulled the trigger on the order yet because we still have to go through that step I was trying to get Sherry to go through before where we're just making sure like all the door swings are correct. Right. Well, after we record this podcast, we're doing that today. So by the time you hear this, it will all be ordered. If you want to know what type of cabinets we're getting and the look we're going for, we'll link that in the show notes because we've talked about doing something colorful and one side's going to be wood and one side's going to be this like blue navy. gray. No, not navy. <laughs> It's going to be the new navy. It's going to be a peacock blue. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. So we'll put links to that in the show notes so you can see it. So I am over the moon excited because I think we're getting more storage than originally planned. That chimney is going to sing and be gorgeous, which is an original feature of the house, which is why I really wanted to protect it. And I think we're both going to win, which I like when that happens. You get the function. I get the beauty. Everyone staying gets the function and the beauty. It's a wonderful world. Yes, and just like with the beach house, we're going to kind of figure out the kitchen tile and shelves and all that stuff as we go. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing this as we go because I feel like you can plan and plan all that you want, but when you see the space come together, there will be a moment when you decide, no, the tile should not go there. Yeah, and like Sherry said, in the show notes, we'll put all those links and we'll also put some photos and maybe a diagram so you can see what you were talking about with how the upper cabinets were going to block the chimney. So that will all be at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And then feel free to comment and be like, Sherry, you were so right. Right, that was gonna be so butt ugly before. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't use that language specifically. But next up, we're gonna get into word digging. I'm digging a piece of technology that I feel like is universally hated, but I feel like I have found a way to hate it a little bit less. But first, we're gonna take a quick break. So you guys know what Coastal Living Magazine is, right? I mean, it's like one of my favorites because it's everything I love about summers. Beach houses, sun shining in. It's just beautiful rooms that feel relaxing and breezy and comfortable, but still super stylish. And Sherry's telling you all this because this week's sponsor, Universal Furniture, has teamed up with Coastal Living for a whole new furniture collection that captures that feeling in furniture form. It's called Escape, or Escape if you're a Nemo fan. Yeah, we keep saying Escape. And it's got pieces for pretty much any room of the house, whether you live on an actual coast or not. Yeah, I mean, our home in Richmond is about two hours from the beach, but we always inject beachy stuff into our decor. You know, like cool beachy colors like blues and sandy taupes and natural woven materials like rattan. That's the sort of stuff you're going to find in this collection. And it's not literal beach furniture like covered in shells and seagulls. It's just that beachy vibe. And the other smart thing about it is it doesn't just like look like the beach, but it's like super durable and functional too. Like beach houses have to put up with lots of stuff like salt, sand, guests, kids, and the Escape Collection uses things like performance fabrics on their upholstery that basically repels stains, so it can hold up to all those sorts of things. All those beach popsicles. So you can check out the whole Escape Collection that Universal and Coastal Living designed together at universalfurniture.com slash YHL. Again, that's universalfurniture.com slash YHL. Okay, maybe it was an overstatement to say people universally hate these, but I feel like a lot of people don't like their printers or more specifically buying ink for their printers, but I'm trying something new that makes me hate mine a little bit less. So we had to get a new printer recently because our old printer, which we'd had for like six years, the scanner function broke on it. And without the scanner, you can't calibrate the ink cartridges. So like the printing wasn't aligned anymore. So... We had to just move on to a new one. And I asked for recommendations on Twitter a while back if anyone like had a printer that they loved. And I got answers all over the board. Like we've always owned HP printers and I've had mixed feelings about all of them, specifically about how expensive the ink is. Cause I feel like you are always buying ink and it's always like 70 bucks between like the black and white cartridge and the color cartridge. And so I was hoping someone would have this great answer like, oh, I have a Canon printer and I don't pay anything for ink or like this Epson or this brother is perfect. 
but I didn't really get a clear answer. But someone did point me to something new that HP is doing called HP Instant Ink, which is basically like an ink subscription service. And I was dubious about this at first because I don't like to subscribe to things that I feel like are just going to charge me money, you know, like without, without even telling yeah, you, without asking me. But what this promises is that if you sign up, it just basically charges you per page that you print. And if you print less than 15 pages per month, it doesn't charge you anything. It's free ink for life if you print less than 15 pages a month, which I would say we very easily do. Yeah, I don't think we print that much. I actually debated not even getting a printer to replace ours, but occasionally I have to print out like a invoice or a receipt copy or something like that. So I wanted to have one around. But yeah, we really don't print that much. And even if we go over the 15, it's $1 for 10 extra pages. And there are higher levels, like for like three bucks a month, I forget, you get like 50 pages or something like that. I think they go up to 10 bucks a month. But the other cool thing about the subscription service is that it automatically detects when you're getting low on ink and sends you new ones. You're not paying for the ink cartridge. You're just paying for the subscription service and for basically the auto refill. So you don't have to have that situation, which I've had numerous times over the years where like my ink is getting thin and it takes you like two weeks to actually get to like Office Max or wherever to buy a new cartridge. Like I have run out of ink so much in my life that I love the idea of it coming to me as I'm getting low, like anticipating that I need ink. And once again, the service is $0 unless you're printing a lot. So like 15 pages a month will probably be fine for us. And if we go over, it's a dollar to get 10 more pages, which I doubt we will ever do very regularly. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. We just got this new printer that is HP Instant Ink capable so that it can actually uh, work with this system. My old printer would not have communicated that to HP to like send a new cartridge. So I just grabbed one off the shelf at Target one day when I was in there because I'd been meaning to replace our printer for months, but I kept, again, waiting for this like perfect answer. And then I saw one on the shelf that was on sale for like 70 bucks and I just grabbed it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. It's called like the Envy or something like that. I don't know. It sounds like a Britney Spears perfume. It does sound like a perfume. Maybe Mariah Carey. Well, we can debate that later. (laughs) Either way. That link will be in the show notes and I will keep you guys posted if anyone is interested on how the whole Instant Ink system is working for us. Yeah, we'll do an update. But also, one thing I really appreciate about this printer, I think more printers should do this. So listen up, printer companies. Now that we know one hacker way got changed, I just want to change everything. You feel empowered. I feel very empowered. But the way that the paper is fed into this, it doesn't have a tongue that sticks out. You put the paper in the base and you close a drawer, essentially. And it's very small and compact. So the paper sits within the footprint of the printer which fits within our little printer cabinet. So nothing is sticking out. The kids aren't grabbing paper out of it, leaving it empty. And then we go to print and there's nothing in it. Like the paper is hidden away in a compartment. It is loaded and ready to go. There's no tongue. There's no grabbing of the paper before I I can use it. You're reacting to a very specific issue we have of our kids (laughs) stealing our printer paper to color on them. (laughs) They also use all my tape and all my band-aids. Yes. So now the printer paper is hidden in a tray under it so they cannot take mine. They can have it from the other pile. Yes, it's wonderful. I like the printer so far. Yeah, so far so good. It's only been a couple weeks, but so far so good. Okay, and what I'm digging this week is a new clipper. It's like a hair clipper. Because do you guys know that I cut everyone's hair in our house? So I cut my own hair, I cut my daughter's hair, I cut our son's hair, and I cut John's hair. Not Burger's hair. He doesn't need it. Burger is an amazing self-cleaning and self-grooming pet. 
Anyways, back to the clippers. So I always cut by hand with my fingers and a hair cutting scissors. I have a link by hand with my fingers. <laughs> you missed it, guys. She made like the scissors motion with her, you know, her two fingers, like we're doing rock, paper, scissors. Like I cut it with these two fingers here. I'm basically Edward scissor hands and my fingers are the scissors. It takes a long time. They're very blunt. <laughs> no, I use hair cutting scissors and my fingers as a guide, not even a comb, definitely not a clippers. I'll link to it in the show notes about how I cut John's hair because people literally asked for a video and many years ago I made one and I have heard from many people who cut their husband's hair and their kids hair this way now I'm a champion of it I love that we never have to go to the hair cutting place I love that we save money doing it but I did mean to check out clippers because our son likes his hair really close to his head and I knew that would be much faster so like he doesn't love haircuts he doesn't love sitting there not moving for a while John can totally do it because he's an adult because right, I'm 37 <laughs> our son is four and he doesn't love it so I grabbed these clippers that I found online they have a good rating i will link to them in the show notes they're by a company called wall w-a-h-l i think that's how you say it yeah and they're just hair cutting and grooming trimmers 29.99 totally affordable well rated i checked because i'm a maniac about that and the selling point to me was just that they would make it go faster for my son and let me tell you it was super speedy. It didn't scare him or hurt him. They're not super loud. I used a number two on him because he likes it really short around the sides. And I did longer on the top by hand. I still clipped the top with the scissors. But it came out so much better than when I try to clip it really close with my hand just because it's hard to get that close when you're not using a clipper. So I'm a huge convert to the clipper. I'm going to try doing John's hair with the clipper. It's almost time. It's almost time for a haircut. And I'm like mostly excited because it did cut down my time by a lot. And it didn't look like a cheesy, bad $5 haircut. Like it looks better than the haircuts my son was getting before, not worse. So I'm thrilled with the little upgrade. Are you going to make me make another video of my hair getting cut? I mean, that's where this is going. Oh, gosh. That was People like a, will ask That was for the most one. embarrassing post <laughs> ever, I think. I hate those pictures. <laughs> it's like John from the profile, yeah. John from the front. It's John without a beard, which still looks very strange to me now that I'm very used to bearded John. John is not a hair model. Chad is. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. Whether you tune in regularly every week or this is your first and only episode that you've listened to, we are very grateful that you've taken the time to listen. Without you guys tuning in every week, we would not be able to keep having fun making this podcast. So thank you very much and happy Thanksgiving. I think it would just devolve into like a number of songs and impressions by me alone in a room and John would leave the room. More bird calls. <laughs> Some gobbles just for fun. Keep telling us what you do while you listen too. Like Lauren on Instagram, who's been listening a lot lately between closing on her new house and training for the New York City Marathon. And if you want to see those diagrams and photos of the duplex kitchen plan, both the original and the new one, be sure to check it out at younghouselove.com slash podcast in this week's show notes. Yeah, and I'm going to put the weighted blanket link in there and pictures of our tile progress. Lots to see. Later. Yeah, thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. It's Ariana Grande here. Ain't got no tears left to cry. Yeah. If everyone could stop asking me about Pete Davidson, I'd really appreciate the sensitivity because um, it's just a lot right now. Speaking of a lot right now. You asked for the female impersonations back. <laughs> Are there take backs? <laughs>